Good morning, friend. I hope you're doing well. Had a great weekend around here on the river, and I hope that you got some rest and you're ready for a new big week. We got a big week in the OR this week here in Nebraska, and weather's getting cooler. Leaves are falling off the trees, and it's just incredible and beautiful out here on the river at Moon River Ranch. We are always so grateful to get to be here, and I hope that wherever you are today, you can find something to be grateful for. And you can find and hold on to hope no matter what you're facing. I've been working this weekend on the copy edit for my new book, Hope is the First Dose, with the two editors from Penguin Random House. And um, it's always great to get that final edit back because now it's in the hands of people who don't, they farm it out to editors who don't know you, they don't know anything about your story, about your past, they don't have any bias towards you. And it's just a clean, cold read of the manuscript. And so it comes back with, with some insights and some things that, People who don't know you or don't uh, have any prior experience with your writing style or any of that will will see. Um, one thing I've learned is that I use italics a lot. <laughs> the editors are like, does this need to be italicized? Does that really have to be italicized? So that's kind of fun to work through the manuscript. But the story is holding up. Like I haven't read the manuscript in several months because it's been off in Penguin Random House's hands getting it ready for publication. And um, we've been gathering endorsements and all that sort of thing. So it's, it's always great to have that one final look at your story. And it's it's holding up, and I think it's really going to be helpful. So I just ask you to pray for the production process, for the audiobook, for the marketing, and that this book will find its hands, find its way into the hands of people who really need it all over the world. And and I hope you're one of those people. Um, hey, listen, the the podcast number of downloads have grown substantially in the last month, and I suspect it has to do with moving over to the Substack network. Uh, we moved our newsletter to drleewarren.substack.com. A couple of months ago in the podcast, just in the middle of September, on September 23rd, we moved over. And if you found the podcast or my newsletter because of Substack, I would love to hear from you, drleewarren.substack.com or my email, lee at drleewarren.com. I have noticed that we don't get as many emails since we switched to Substack because it's so easy to hit like or leave a comment on Substack. But we're always here for you. Lisa and I read all the emails that we get. We try to reply to all of them personally. And if you have something you want to share that you don't necessarily want to put in a podcast, public-facing comment. Um, you can always put it anonymously on the prayer wall at wleewarnmd.com slash prayer, or you can send me a direct email, lee at drleewarn.com. We will help you, pray for you, get back to you if you just want to leave a comment. Love to know where you're from, how you found the work, and how it's helping you. Um, hey, listen, today is Mind Change Monday. We always talk about something we can change our mind about. And yesterday on my, in my weekly newsletter, which you can go read, drleewarn.substack.com, it's the first one you'll see on the page, talked about foxholes and faith, about how to make a decision about what you believe about God before the bombs start falling in your life. My new book talks about the, the massive things that happen in our worlds and in our lives, like losing a son or going through a war, or getting a divorce, finding out you have cancer, or going bankrupt, whatever those things are that come along. Everybody has some massive thing. And one of the secrets to success is to change your mind about difficult circumstance before you find yourself in them. You find a way to, to decide what you believe about God, the things that you're going to use to find comfort and strength in difficult times, the, the, the verses, the, the power, the thought processes, the strategies, the, the, I call it the treatment plan, what you're going to do when life gets hard. In the military, we drill those things. In, in sports teams, they drill those things. What if we fumble? What if there's an onside kick? What, what if this happens or what if that happens? You do that in your mind before you encounter hard things. You'll be more likely to be successful in surviving 
holding on to hope, finding a better plan, moving forward in a better way, telling a better story with your life. And Mind Change Monday is all about changing your mind so you can change your life. And one of the most important things is to change your mind about who God is before you encounter the firefight, right? So find your foxhole, know what you're going to do when you get into a firefight, and just have a strategy and be ready. So we talked about that yesterday. Back in season three, I did an episode about this. It has a song from Matt Redman that I love so much. This episode was called Foxholes in Faith. I'm going to give it back to you now for Mind Change Monday. Tata and I recorded a brand new episode of Tuesdays with Tata tomorrow. I recorded a great Friday conversation with the writer named Clarissa Mall last week about her new book about grief, which is a really powerful book and have some incredible guests coming up for you in november and uh friend i just we're, we're so grateful to be on this journey with you to have the opportunity to speak with you every day and and i hope that it's blessing you and benefiting you and if we can help you you can leave a voicemail speakpipe.com slash dr lee warren you can send us an email lee at dr lee warren.com you can leave a comment you can do anything you want to get a hold of this community the prayer wall is always out there too and uh, just join up be part of the team Become a self-brain surgeon. Change your mind so you can change your life. And Lisa's going to tell us how to start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is, you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you'd like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Good morning, friend. I hope you are doing great. It's dark 30 outside, super dark, about four, almost 4 o'clock in the morning. And there's just kind of a lot of things that feel like spiritual warfare happening right now. And I know some people are hurting. So I was thinking about an episode that I did last year, well, almost two years ago now, um, that I called Foxholes and Faith. And I talked a little bit about my experience in the real war and what it's like to get shot at. Um, and then how we can build up a fortress, uh, that how God can be a fortress for our faith. And there's a song I mentioned in that episode by Matt Redman that's called The Awesome God You Are. And he talks about how God and faith can become our fortress. And back then, I didn't yet know how to properly license music for the podcast, so I couldn't play the song for you. even talked about that in the episode. Um, but now, we bought the BMI and the ASCAP licenses, thanks thanks to the patrons of, part of the podcast. And you've allowed us to add music to the podcast for the first time in the recent uh, couple months. Uh, and it's been really helpful, and people are enjoying that. So I want to bring that episode back to you, kind of in the spirit of Veterans Day, thinking about battles and wars and all of that. And there's some people right now who are going through some things that are difficult and hard. And so I just want to remind you that your faith can become the fortress that you need. God is an awesome God, and He is He is your strong fortress. And there's no place else to hide um, other than him when life really is bringing you a battle. So I bring this episode back to you. The only change I've made to it is that in the part where I originally said, I can't play this song for you, and I've clipped that out, and I've added the song in at the end. Uh, I put the 
lyric I was referencing in the middle of the episode. Uh, and so there's a, there's a little piece of the song inserted into the middle of the episode. And then at the very end, after the credits, stick around. You can hear Matt Redmond's The Awesome God You Are. This is, song, this is an episode about fortresses, uh, foxholes, and faith, friend. It'll help you if you're dealing with some type of battle in your life right now. Bring in this back for a reason. Let me hear from you. W1MD.com slash voicemail or W1MD.com slash newsletter. If you need something prayed about or you want to help us pray for people all over the world, hit up W1MD.com slash prayer. Be back with more tomorrow. I'm excited about some of the things we have coming to you the rest of this month on the podcast. And I'm grateful for you as always. Let friend, let God and your faith become the fortress that your heart needs when you're dealing with life's hardest battles. He'll be there for you. He, I promise he will never let you down. Build up that foxhole, build up that fortress of faith, and start today. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about my new book, I've Seen the End of You. I don't know if you've read it yet, but I've Seen the End of You is about the zones between knowledge and faith and doubt. It's about um, the idea of how you handle life when it seems to be challenging the things that you think you were certain of. And there's this sort of spectrum between things we're really certain that we know and things that we believe, and then life starts hitting us hard and we start having doubts. And then those doubts, if they're, if they're magnified, can turn into fear. And fear can lead to hopelessness. And hopelessness, as I've said, in my opinion, is the deadliest thing that people can encounter. So my book is about that. It's about how we handle the hard times when it seems like life is bringing battle to us. And nowhere in my life have I seen firsthand the various ways that people respond to those battles, the stresses and fears of life, more clearly than when I was actually in a war in Iraq. So today I want to talk about the different ways that we can get ourselves sort of blown up by life, if you will, the uh, ways in which pain and loss and stress and hardship can feel like we are almost literally getting mortared or rocketed into oblivion in our life, and the various responses that people have in times like that. They say there are no atheists in foxholes, but I've been in a foxhole, or at least the modern equivalent of, of them in the Iraq War concrete bunkers that we took shelter in when the mortars and rockets were flying. And I don't think it's as simple as to say there are no atheists in foxholes because I've seen a different side of that story. In this episode, we're going to learn some new ways to think about the wars that life can bring us, how to find shelter during the worst moments, and how to reframe our thinking so we come out alive and well no matter what happens. We are going to talk about foxholes and faith, and we're going to start today. You know, there's an old saying there are no atheists in foxholes. And historians are unclear about the origins of that quote. There's an interesting Wikipedia page about it I'll put in the show notes. But I promise you that it is incorrect to say that there are no atheists in foxholes. There are indeed atheists in foxholes, or at least there were in the Iraq War bunkers that I had an opportunity to visit during several, uh, over a 100, mortar and rocket attacks while I was in the war. And if you will permit me to extend that metaphor a little bit, I can state without reservation that during the rocket attacks of life, cancer, bankruptcies, divorces, etc., there are most certainly those who are not moved to call on God for help when they are under fire. And I have studied this notion extensively, and I've survived over 100, like I said, over 100 real mortar attacks, and I've, attack, I've survived the attacks that life has brought me in the in the versions of divorce and post-combat stress disorder and the loss of a child. 
And in having seen many people, many patients in their darkest hours, I have indeed identified multiple responses that people have when they find themselves in a foxhole. One of those ideas is that there are in fact atheists or doubters or people who don't turn to faith or don't rely on God when they are having a hard time. Some people dive into the hole and they shake their fist at God. They curse God. They say things like, hey, I can't believe in a God who would let me get mortared. I can't believe in a good God if this XYZ could happen in my life. I'm a good person. Why are they shooting at me? God can't be real or stuff like this wouldn't happen. So there are people who dive into the hole when they're getting shot at, and they curse God, they shake their fists, they don't believe, they turn away from any notion that there's something good out there who, uh, who that can make this situation work out for them. Now let me tell you a little uh, aside about the difference between mortars and snipers. Um, mortars, the first few times they happen when you're getting rocketed or getting mortared, it's pretty scary. Over time, it becomes kind of background noise, like, oh, yeah, the siren's going off. we got to run to the bunker, wait for this thing to happen. A lot of them didn't detonate. A lot of them didn't blow up, and a lot of them happened a long way from where we were on the base, you know, over on the flight line or some other part of the base and not the hospital. So it, it became something that you weren't so much afraid of. You were just sort of frustrated by it. Like, when is this going to stop? Why do we have to drop what we're doing and run over to the bunker because somebody's attacking us again? But it wasn't so personal. But I had a, a day that I spent in Baghdad with another neurosurgeon from the Army. They sent me down there to figure out with the two Army neurosurgeons that were in Baghdad and the two Air Force neurosurgeons that were in Balad if we really needed four, because at the time the Department of Defense only had 24 neurosurgeons in the whole world for all of the work that we had to do. And so they said, you know, with the casualties the way they're being routed now by the Air Force, most of them are going through Balad Air Base. Do we really need two Army neurosurgeons in Baghdad? And to figure that out, of course, the Army guys said, well, y'all should come down here so we can talk about it instead of them coming to us. And so I had a helicopter ride that was very eventful. I wrote about that in my first book, No Place to Hide. And I spent a day in Baghdad with Dr. Jeff Poffenbarger, who is now in practice in Wyoming too, uh, coincidentally. Good guy. Um, But Jeff and I were walking around Baghdad as we had these conversations and saw some amazing things. But then something funny happened. We got shot at. Um, there was a, a sniper or somebody on the street. We never saw actually who it was that was that fired some rounds in our direction, and so we dove behind a wall. And there was some return fire from our guys up on the up on the gate, and it all kind of died down. But that felt very different to me than mortar attacks did because it was actually somebody shooting at me, somebody individually targeting me and Jeff, or at least in our general direction, somebody who wanted me to suffer or die. And I'm sitting there going, hey, I'm a doctor. I'm here to help you. We take care of the bad guys too. And it felt really, really personal. And I want to tell you that I recognize that sometimes the wars of life just feel like they're impersonal. And a lot of people start feeling over time, they get beat up so much by life that they start saying things like, why is everything always so hard? You know, why does nothing ever works out for me? It's not a particular thing where they think they're being singled out. They just feel like they're being attacked all the time or that life is just really miserable for them. But other things that can happen, somebody betrays you, somebody cheats on you, you lose a child, your um, economy collapses and you lose your 401k, something happens that feels really, really particularly aimed at you. Somebody at work doesn't value you. Somebody doesn't see you for what you're doing, and they let you down. 
somebody that's supposed to look out for you doesn't look out for you. Those things feel really, really personal. And a lot of times when that stuff happens, that's when we start shaking our fists at God and saying, why, God, why did I deserve this? Why did that person let me down? Why did I lose that person? And it becomes very, very personal. So that's one response, the atheist, the doubter, people who dive into the hole and they're mad about the attack, they're hurt by the attack, and they can't believe that God would let that happen, and therefore they start thinking that maybe God's not even real. The next one is a bargainer, I call them. These are people who dive into the bunker and immediately start negotiation, negotiations with God. Hey, get me out of this, and I'll, I'll follow you for the rest of my life. Get me out of this alive. I'll quit everything wrong I've been doing. I promise I'll never do that thing again if you'll just get me through this. It's a wake-up call, God. I'm here for you. If you just wake me, if you just get me through this, you, you got my attention, I'll be on your side forever, right? They're bargainers. That's basically part of my story and no place to hide. I got caught outside during a really nasty, particularly long mortar attack. I couldn't find a bunker. I had to kind of sit up against a wall and just kind of huddle and wait. And I was saying a lot of that kind of stuff to God. Please get me through this. I need to see my kids again. That kind of thing. Another group is the prayers, the people who dive in the hole and they turn to God and they start praying. They pray, God, get me out of this. I'm, I need your help. I can't do this by myself. I, I can't control this situation. I need you, Lord. So there are people who turn from God when they're being attacked. There are people who bargain with God, and there are people who turn to Him and rely on Him and put their faith and trust in Him that He can ride them, He can carry them through the storm. Now, I'll confess, I've spent time in all of those groups. I have. In the real war and in the life wars that I've battled since, I've, I've really felt all of those things at different times, and I've been all of those people at different times. And there's more responses, I'm sure. One of my favorite songs is from a worship leader called or named Matt Redman. Matt Redman has written some of the most famous songs that the church has used in recent years. Blessed Be Your Name is probably his most famous song. But he wrote a song called The Awesome God You Are. And one of the lines in that song provides what I believe to be the key to handling the mortar attacks of life. But here's the line. God, let hope arise and faith become the fortress of my heart. You get that? God, let hope arise. When hope rises up in your heart, friend, you can start letting God build the walls. God will actually come in and build the bunker for you. He will be your shelter. And so the line, God, let hope arise and faith become the fortress of my heart. Here's the thing. You're going to have wars in your life. They are coming. And you might even think that you've already been through your war. I mean, me losing a son, that may prove to be the hardest thing I've ever been through in my life. It might. There may, hopefully, there won't be anything harder than that. I can imagine losing my spouse would be up there. Uh, if I lost Lisa, I don't, I don't know how it would go on. So God forbid that. But so far, the worst thing I've ever been through is losing my son, Mitch. Looking at his picture in my studio, I can always see a photograph of Mitch playing his bass, and I just I, I wonder how he would be now, what he would have done in college, and whether he would be married and have kids. And all of that big hole in my life was just blown up by that huge mortar attack, that huge sniper round 
of life that hit us when we lost our son. But even though I can say that that was a terrible thing, I'm not certain that that'll be the worst thing that ever happens. And if you think you've been through the worst thing already, you better be careful because no matter what, you're not getting out of life alive. I'm not saying that to be cynical. I'm just, it's just a fact. People die, bad things happen, we get cancer, you know, things come along in your life. And so all of us have to be prepared for when the mortars start falling. Even if you've had some mortar attacks in the past, you better be ready for the new ones because it's a fact that life is hard. So this line, this notion, God let hope arise and faith become the fortress of my heart is about building that bunker that you might need in the future when the attack comes. If you want to learn to thrive, to be okay, to be happy and live abundantly in spite of the wars that will come or are currently happening to you, you have to know how you're going to handle the attack before you find yourself in the foxhole. If you can settle it now, if you can figure out how you can build that faith that's going to create that fortress around you, build that fortress of faith, if you can build that belief that no matter what happens, God is still faithful, that you're not going to give up on him because something hard happens, but rather you're going to rely on him and let him be that fortress for you. That's how you're going to develop the resilience to stay strong and stay abundant and happy no matter what happens circumstantially in your life. It's hard for me. Every January, we go through my mother-in-law Patty's birthday and we go through the anniversary of losing her. It was two years ago in January that we lost my wife's dear mother, who frankly was a friend of mine and a mentor of mine before I knew Lisa. Patty was one of the best people, the people that reminded me the most of Jesus in this life. If you knew Patty McDonald, she knew you and she knew your story. If you were her lady that did her nails, she knew your family's name. She knew your birthday. She knew where you were from. She knew the things you were struggling with. If you were the guy that, you know, installed the the carpet in her house. She knew your story. She knew what kind of cookies you liked. So the next time you came over, she would have made some for you. Patty was this amazing, amazing person. And we lost her to a rapidly progressive neurological disease that nobody could figure out and none of us could do anything about. And she went from being this amazing, brilliant, kind, godly woman in June of 2017 to passing away basically comatose and unresponsive in January of 2018. And that is a huge mortar attack. It's just awful. So every January, we have two days that remind us of that. Every February on the 9th, we have Mitch's birthday. Every August the 20th, we have the anniversary of losing Mitch. So there are times when you are reminded of those attacks and the emotion and the feeling go right back to where you were. And it's almost like their bombs are falling again. And if those walls aren't built up, if that fortress of faith isn't there around your heart, it can attack you all over again. And I'm vulnerable when those times are happening, when I'm feeling the pain of previous attacks. I'm really vulnerable to even a minor thing throwing me back into the war. Now, doubt will come along when you're dealing with hard things. Doubt will come along, and it'll say things to you like this. Hey, life is hard, man. God must not love you very much. Maybe he's not even real. If God really loved you, this thing wouldn't happen. So when doubt starts to spring up, we've talked about this a lot. I mean, there's a lot in my book about it. When doubt starts to spring up, friend, 
you have to be careful because doubt is a is the peak of like an A-frame house. If you've ever seen one of those really steep roofs that falls off to one side or the other, if you slip a little bit to one side, doubt will quickly become fear. And fear can snowball and you'll find yourself falling. And fear says things to you where doubt would saying, I don't know, fear will say no. Fear will say God doesn't love you. This is never going to end. You're never going to get through this. You, you've lost. You're dumb. You're hosed. You're, you're abandoned. You're, you're worthless. That's what fear says. Fear says all of these no's. Never going to be okay again. Doubt was just asking the question. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm unclear what's going to happen here. But if you can go the other way, faith says... Hey, life is hard. Thank you, God, for holding on to me during this fight. Thank you for building that bunker that I had shelter in. Thank you for providing me the spirit and the strength to get through this hard time. Maybe your life seems impossibly difficult. Maybe it seems random, painful for you right now. And your only options then are to give up, to sit down, wallow in it, lose hope, and just kind of endure it or end it all. My my good friend committed suicide on Thanksgiving Day seven or eight years ago because he just couldn't see a path forward. His wife left him, um, and he just he just couldn't see a way forward, and so he killed himself. You can do that if life seems impossibly hard, or you can turn to something bigger. Find that shelter. Find that bunker. Find that power that God will offer you to protect you and help you through. So my question to you is... What's your foxhole response? You need to figure that out now, even if the bombs haven't started falling yet. An addict might say, he might you know, shake his fist and rail against God and say, God, why did you let me have this problem? Or he can praise God for letting him survive the overdose, for letting him be surrounded by people in the rehab center or his family who are dedicated to helping him overcome the problem. A business person might lose their company and blame God for the bad market or the bad luck or the bad bad events that led to him losing his business or her. Or they can hold on to hope and roll up their sleeves and work harder and know that God will eventually provide another opportunity and take them out of that difficult spot and into a better place. The, the story of entrepreneurs in the United States and in the world is full of people like that who lost everything and kept working and didn't give up faith and made it through. And since wars in life are unavoidable, you need to shift your perspective. So the idea that I want to bring you today, the only reason that I'm talking about all this stuff today is that I believe the way to survive whatever comes along is to shift your perspective on the problem. And instead of being angry and devastated and frustrated and sad and terrified by the rockets and the mortars. Instead, you start being thankful for the foxholes. I wanted to share that little idea because my my overarching message as we've gone through this podcast and my newsletter, and by the way, my newsletter is this kind of stuff every Sunday for free, wlewarrenmd.com slash newsletter. It's read in 50 countries, all 50 states. It's read all over the world every Sunday, and it's all about this notion. You can't change your life until you change your mind. That little idea can, if you just let it grow, let it stew a little bit, it's like a seed. If you plant and nourish it carefully, it will become something larger and more wonderful than you ever imagined because shifting that perspective, let 
start thanking God for the foxholes, you will notice that he always provides one. You will never come under an attack where you don't have the opportunity to seek shelter with God's help. I promise you, there's always someplace to hide. You are never alone and unprotected because that fortress of faith can always be there if you've taken the time to build it. The perspective shift is what I'm getting at when I say you can't change your life until you change your mind. Say that with me. If you're if you're listening in the car, if you're working out, just even if you are in a public place and you need to say it under your breath, you can't change your life until you change your mind. I'm going to start being thankful for the foxholes instead of so devastated and angry about the mortars. If you keep running into the same problems, if you keep making the same excuses for yourself over and over, you can expect one thing to be true. The future is going to look a whole lot like the past. I say this to my kids when they were dating. Um, I say it to people who are looking at other people's behavior and wondering if they can change this person before they marry them. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So if you keep running into the same problem and you keep responding to it in the same way or making the same excuses for it, then it's not going to surprise you very much when you have the same outcome. The future will look like the past. If you keep the same response to war and mortar attacks in your life, you'll keep getting the same result. It's true for business, relationships, finances, spiritual development, every aspect of your life. If you don't change how you respond, you will get the same result. Why? Because the best predictor of the future is the past unless you do a little self-brain surgery and change your mind. If you keep asking yourself why everything is so hard, then you ought to change the question. The, The new question should be, am I doing anything repeatedly to produce the same issues that I'm already tired of facing? Now, obviously, we can't avoid a lot of the troubles that come along in our life. You can't avoid the tornado or the you know market collapse, or somebody being unfaithful to you, or you have an accident and one of your child your children die in a car crash, or some horrible thing happens. You can't avoid all of those things, but some of the wars that happen in our lives are because we put ourselves in certain positions or we make certain decisions that we've made before and had the same result. So, if you ask yourself the question, "Am I doing something that's producing issues that I'm already struggling with being tired of?" then maybe I can shift that. Hear me now. This is a powerful truth, friend. Life is hard enough, and there are enough troubles in life as it is without us bringing them on ourselves. We don't want to be detonating our own mortars. We don't want friendly fire, right? If you're wallowing in the hardness of things, if you're feeling sorry for yourself or seeking other people's pity, you're going to have a hard time being happy unless you change your mind. Like I said, sometimes... Lots of times, things happen that are outside of our control. People cheat, they die, they leave, jobs end, houses burn, cancers form. You know you know why markets crash? And as an aside, let's talk about this thing like the coronavirus for a second. Coronavirus happens, there's really no big event in the United States has happened yet. And if you look at it globally, hardly anybody has died from this virus compared to the influenza or heart disease or diabetes or accidents that have killed millions of people around the world in 2020 already. So when things like a fear of a possible event occur, markets always struggle. The Dow Jones in the United States has been plummeting. Why does that happen every time there's a threat of bad news? This is a total aside, but I'll tell you. The reason why it happens is because most investors are morons. 
I don't mean that offensively. Really, people get emotional about their money, and they hear some bad news, and they make an assumption that the stock market's going to collapse, and they start selling stuff, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where stock prices fall. And you know what happens to smart investors when that's going on? They start buying stocks because the market's not going away. In the history of humankind, the most successful investments over time have been in the United States stock market. It's reliable. It lands on its feet. It's like a cat that falls and flips over and lands on its feet. It always comes back, and sure, there's been hard times. But if you watch every couple of years, Zika virus, bird flu, Western Nile, Ebola, something's coming to kill us all, and the market collapses. And then, oh, by the way, it didn't happen. And we turn things around, and the market comes back. Now, I'm not saying what's going to happen with coronavirus is not important. It might be. But there's ways to prepare for it, and at the end of the day, the American economy will still be there. So don't go cash out your 401k. Don't go sell all your stocks because I promise you the market will land on its feet. And if you are an investor and you're sitting on the sidelines, watch for the beginning of the recovery of this because there's an opportunity to make some money there. That's a total aside. I'm sorry about that. But hey, but hey if you just pay attention, you will see that when things out of your control happen, it can really sap your faith. It can crush your spirit. If you're an investor, it can freak you out, and you can start selling stuff. If you're in a relationship that seems to be crumbling, you can just give up and walk away, or you can try something different. So what happens when our faith falls, when our spirits feel crushed? Do we just let adversity take us out of the game? Do we cash out? Do we quit? Do we walk away? Do we become a drunk or a pleasure seeker or end it all like my friend did? Or do we just wander through life sad and afraid? No, we don't have to. What you have to do if you want to live abundantly and be happy no matter what happens is you have to change your mind. Let me tell you how. When things are hard, when we have problems or when other people's problems cause us pain, when we have friendly fire or people that ought to be helping us hurt us instead, when people ought to be um, sort of on our side or in fact adversarial to us, when those things happen, we have to change our thinking away from the problem and toward the path forward, we have to find the foxhole. We have to find the fortress that can help us get through it and find then a path to move forward and out of trouble. We have to snap out of it, friend. Stop freaking out. Stop diving under the table and giving up and hiding and shaking and being afraid every time the bombs fall because they're going to keep falling. So prepare a different response. I'll tell you a story of a really scary day in Iraq. We were working in the hospital, and I was actually on the phone with my mother. We had a very limited ability to make phone calls. I'm talking to my mom, and I hear this sound. It's a weird sound like that, like a bottle rocket almost. I was sitting in the emergency department, which was a tent, about probably 10, 15 feet from this car, this uh, plywood door that somebody had made that was the door of our emergency department. And somebody comes running in and says, holy cow, a rocket just landed right outside. And so, of course, being the um, not one to freak out my mom, I said, Mom, I got to go. I got some work to do. I hang up. I stick my head out the door, and you can see the tail fin of this rocket sticking up out of the ground. So all of us run back inside. They sound the alarm. And basically, for the next several hours, we all had to stay in the hospital while the explosive ordnance detail people, the EOD guys, who are really amazing, by the way, and also kind of crazy, they're the guys that go and, de and detonate stuff that didn't blow up or, re or recover and remove threats. And in Iraq, a lot of those guys got hurt. Um, so we we're all huddling inside the hospital. We're trying to take care of patients. And I hear this little sound, this little whimper. 
And I look, and literally under a table, a nurse was huddling down, um, kind of curled up into a ball, crying, and just basically took herself out of the fight, not doing her work, not paying attention to the patients that she was in charge of, just scared and hiding. And so that that made me realize that sometimes we we have the wrong response to stress and pain and fear because you can't get anything done and you certainly can't find a way out of trouble if you're curled up into a ball whimpering and crying. Now sometimes life does that to us. I can tell you I spent many days. I'm not I'm not beating this person up. It's a scary, it was a scary moment. And I spent a lot of days after I lost my son curled up into a ball in a dark room crying and not getting anything done and not even sure I was going to be able to go on. So there are certainly times when that happens. But if you want to make it better, there comes a time when you've got to get up and you've got to snap out of it and stop freaking out and figure out that you're in the fortress, that faith is going to get you through it, and you're going to find a way through because life is hard. But God is good. We want solutions and successes and smiles instead of failures and fatigues and fears. We want to swap those things out. So when life whispers in your ear that it's always going to be hard, that you'll never be okay, that it's all bad or you can never get unstuck, guess what you need to do? You need to snap out of it. You need to change your mind about it. You need to be more thankful for the foxhole than you're mad about the mortar. Because here's the thing, you can't shake your fist and roll up your sleeve at the same time. If you want to get after it and figure out a way forward and let God take you through the problem, you got to roll up your sleeves and you got to get busy. And i got bad news for you. Life is not going to stop being hard at times. It's not. Last time I checked, it was still true that none of us make it out alive. So we need to get over thinking that there's ever going to come a time when everything is perfect and everything is pain-free. It's just not. I'm not trying to be cynical. I'm trying to be realistic. God says, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus said it. In this world, you will have trouble. But he also said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So the same Jesus that warns us that life will be full of trouble also promises us that at the same time, we can still be happy. How? We have to change our mind. I promise you can become healthier, feel better, and be happier despite what you're going through in your life. You just have to change your mind. The old mind focuses on the pain, the problem, and the patterns and tells us it can never be different. But the changed mind, the mind that understands how to do self-brain surgery and fix that thought process, understands that the way forward is through faith, determination, action, and a decision to learn how to be happy and separate our peace of mind from our circumstance. That's self-brain surgery. That's my whole message in a bottle right there. Listen, serve somebody, volunteer somewhere, and go see that there are a lot of people in out there in your community right now. I promise you there are people who would love to swap their problems for yours. You are not the worst off person that you know. You're not. You go visit a children's hospital sometime. Go down to St. Jude's and talk to some of those kids who are dealing with life-threatening cancers, and, and your problem will take on a new perspective. Those kids who are dealing with those hard things, by the way, have you seen those commercials that just break your heart? Their smiles are bigger than their fears. Their smiles and their hope and their spirit are way bigger than their cancers. And you know what will happen if you start doing that? If you start moving 
looking around, noticing other people, seeing that it's not all about you, that the war's not just about you, that it's more of a mortar attack than a sniper attack, and when mortars are falling, we're all in it together. If you start understanding that, your perspective's going to change, and you will see that you're not the only one with trouble or even the most trouble. And then because you want to feel better, you'll change your mind, you'll stop shaking your fist, and you'll start rolling up your sleeves instead because as my old pastor used to say, actions lead and feelings follow. If you want to do, if you want to feel better, you got to do better. Hey, friend, if you're struggling with the same old, same old, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, if you just can't see how it's ever going to improve, then just trust your friend, the brain surgeon. Snap out of it. You want to change your life? You got to change your mind. You got to change your perspective about foxholes and faith. And you got to start today.
Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.